Welcome to the Tactical Games Podcast. I'm Tim Burke, and I'm here with Nate. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing well, Nate. How are you? I am not too bad. I am actually very well. I registered for the next games. I'm pumped. We're chronologically 23 days away from that event, so I'm uh, a little anxious, a little excited. I've got my brute force bag and uh, some range time books this week. I think I'm good. Yeah. So long roundabout way, I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> so you've got your brute force bag, the elements of torture to uh, beat your life back into um, fitness and submission in, in a number of ways, correct? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's uh, I took the, uh, the brute force bag to my wife's CrossFit gym yesterday to show off because I'm like that kid uh, that gets that new toy at Christmas time and has to show everybody because they're so proud. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my little brother came down for the weekend uh, to do some shooting and just hang out. So I took him to the range for three days. And then on Sunday we, uh, we introduced him to the brute force bag. He was not, uh, he was not, not, not happy, but he was also like not happy on his drive home for <laughs> three hours. after. Right, right. The store. <laughs> Yeah, those things will, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll get you right, mind, body, and spirit. There's no doubt about it. Um, did you, did you uh, recently see the Brute Force Mile, that uh, Brute Force Mile challenge uh, on the 4th of July that people did? I, I did see it. I actually ordered my bag um, prior to that, hoping I would get it in time for that here in Canada. Unfortunately, it didn't come in until just this past Friday. So I missed that, but I'm planning on doing or yeah, I'm, I'm, I plan on conducting that mile just to say I at least did it um, next week. Yeah, that that uh, I, I'm just going to go on record and say I did not do that mile. <laughs> uh, I did the uh, the 1776 workout, which was uh, soul crushing enough. Um, but a uh, number of people that I know, including Sarah, the vice president of Tactical Games, she uh, she did the brute force mile, and she said it was absolutely grueling. So. Yeah, for those those uh, wannabe warriors out there, um, get yourself a brute force bag and do the brute force mile. Oh, absolutely! Like knowing that Sarah did it, she was the one that actually posted and asked who was doing it, and that's what got me into it. Um, that is impressive. Now, you you also mentioned the seventeen seventy two workout. Come on, you're Canadian, so I'll give you some slack. It's seventeen seventy six workout. Oh, seventy six. Sorry, I was doing metric. Independence Day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing metric, that's why. So that workout in itself was not an You're doing metric. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an easy feat either, was it? No, no. It's it's uh you know, obviously a blend of, of uh activities inside the same workout, but it's a chipper. So you start you can do it any 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 way you want. Uh, we broke it down doing 100 repetitions of each of the exercises, then 50 of each, and then 25 uh, repetitions of about the last uh, six of them. And, uh, of course, then on the very last set, you do 26 of them, so you get the, the 76. Um, strangely enough, I, I called a uh, friend of mine from Great Britain and uh, – wanted to tell him what a great time I was having on Independence Day, and he was at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I don't know why they were at work that day. And, 
you think they'd be celebrating too. That's weird. That's right. You know, a, a quick history thing. I actually read that um, whoever was king during, you know, the, the American Revolution, I forget who it was, but um, he actually wrote in his journal the day we started the War of Independence, nothing of significance happened today. How cool is that? That That's just hilarious to him. Meh, I'm going to downplay this and then it turned out to be the biggest divorce in the history of the world kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it, uh, in life though, Nate, isn't it the temptation to, you know, uh, maybe skip a workout or cheat on your diet and you say, well, you know what, it's really not that significant. Nothing really significant happened today, but it really the significance comes from the consistency and all the small things, right? Oh, absolutely. That is a valid point right there. Um, and that kind of touches on what, what, where we want to, I wanted to go with this show today is the training aspect. So the workout of 1776 and Mm -hmm. the brute force pile are two big workouts that you can actually benchmark yourself at very well. Right. And if you're, no, if you're not just training for the tactical games, but just in general fitness as well, those are two perfect benchmarks because you'll know that they'll come up again next year. And you can build up towards it. So you can look back when you get to those points and say, okay, I skipped, you know, five months worth of workouts. How good am I going to be today? Or you can say to yourself, I've been consistent and disciplined this whole time. I'm going to crush this thing. Right, right. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people, everybody has good desires and intentions and Strangely enough, we we judge ourselves by our intentions and everybody else by their actions. But um, how often does it happen that you know you're like, well, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna train for the tactical games, and you know you start on Monday and maybe you get a workout in, and then the next time you check your watch, it's Thursday afternoon and life happened, and you just got busy and the schedule encroached on your workout time. And the next thing you know, you know, you're just a few weeks out from the event and you really haven't put in the time or the work. And uh, it happens to everybody, but uh, discipline is the bridge to success, right? Oh, absolutely. And and uh, what's the expression? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's the follow through, just like marksmanship. It's your follow through that really helps with that uh, placement of the shot. Ooh, see what I did there? I blended the two oh. aspects. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this very is sneaky. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> staying on track with that is, like you said, that life does happen. So when we talk about uh, – so I was talking with a friend of mine. He is um, the Texas State heavyweight stick fighting champion. No no big deal. Just, just it is what it is, right? Because Texas is big. So – so, so answer this question real quick. He's a heavyweight stick fighting champion. Are the sticks the heavyweight or is he the heavyweight? <laughs> He's the heavyweight. He's about 220, uh, six foot, big, big dude, uh, very talented. And I think it's just wooden sticks that they use. Okay. So, but it would be pretty cool to, you know, I, I just beat somebody with a 80 pound stick. Uh, I didn't mention that to him. Okay, off back on tangent here. <laughs> so, uh, his the conversation we were having is discipline is not uh, your enemy; it's actually your friend. Because the more disciplined you are, 
the more you achieve and it's more self-love or I'm, I'm paraphrasing sure. very roughly there. Sure. So his approach is, and, and this is something that I've, I've taken to heart is really look at what you want in your life. What is important to you sitting on the couch and watching those three hours of TV every night or jumping on a stationary bike or doing some sit-ups and stuff to stay healthy and active because you want to live a little bit longer and you have other goals that you want to achieve. And one, one point that comes to mind all the time is we see people that will wait in line in the drive through or whatever for their fast food, which isn't really this fast anymore um, during the rush hour. So they'll wait 20, 30 minutes for their food, but they won't take five minutes to every day do their sit-ups and push-ups kind of calisthenic warm-up every morning. You know, to, to give them that in, uh, longevity of life. And another friend of mine, he owns a gym and he's like, you need to take care of your teeth. So you want to keep your teeth. You got to brush your teeth every day. You want to keep care, take care of your heart. You have to do some form of cardio every day. But if you don't do that, then it's going to fail you in the long run. It's just like your car. If you don't do the general maintenance, it's going to fall apart and you just wasted that, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars buying that thing. So the question I asked everybody is, are you doing the things in life that you absolutely want or are you taking a little bit of the easy way? So that's what I throw at you, Tim. How do you, how do you fight that urge that we are, have as humans to be lazy? Yeah, so, you know, I'm not always successful, um, but, um, you know, I've made a, a life out of being somewhat disciplined. Um, I always ask myself this, this question. If fill in the blank, then fill in the blank. And you can you can extend that out that question out. You can say if I want blank, then I fill in the blank. And so it, it's when you find discrepancies in the answers that you know you're not on track. So if I want fitness, then I shouldn't be eating Cheetos, right? If I want health and wellness, then I should eat you know, salads and meats and, you know, kind of a ketogenic style diet. So um, you can do that any, any, with anything in life. If I want wealth, then I should not spend. If I want security, I should invest, I should save. And, and you just look at the two different answers in those, in those questions. Um, you know, I want to lose weight, then I should be meal planning you know, meal planning and weight loss go together. Um, weight loss and uh, cheese dip don't go together. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so, so that's a question that I ask myself all the time. And, you know, that, that's the first step of discipline is asking yourself the question. If I want blank, then I need to, or I should blank. And then once you have the answer and, and, you know as well as I do, 99% of the people on the planet already know the answer. They know what they're supposed to be doing. That step two of discipline is making yourself choose to do exactly what you already know to do. So what I'm hearing is cause and effect. You, you have your two questions that you ask yourself and it's a, if I do this, what's the consequence? The other thing that I got from what you just said is you have to be honest with yourself. We don't like to be honest with ourselves. As you said earlier, 
we judge ourselves by our intentions, but judge others by what they do. We need to flip that. Well, not flip it, but we need to change it. So we, we judge ourselves by what we do, not just by what our intentions are. And that honest reflection of a conversation has to happen before you can actually proceed properly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I look at it like this too. This is getting a little philosophical. Um, you don't necessarily get arrested for your thoughts. You know, you could think about robbing a bank. You could think about taking somebody's life. You could think about stealing a car and you're never going to be arrested for those things. But what you do get arrested for is the action, right? It's the action that defines who you are. And that's an extreme case, but let's, let's um, translate that into our personal lives. I don't get fit or well thinking about going to the gym and thinking about eating a nice salad with some oil dressing on it and maybe some nuts and things sprinkled on top. I get fit by the action that comes secondary to that thought. Uh, I don't become a better shooter by thinking about going to the range. Um, and I, I, there's a fine line here because you can actually get to be a better shooter by dry firing, right? Um, in, in visualization. But that both, both of those things are actually actions. So um, it's the action that defines and evolves us into the person that we are or will be. And there's no way around that. So, um, you know, sometimes you can classify the lack of action as the defining uh, action as well. So you're a couch potato. That doesn't just mean you're not a shooter. It doesn't mean you're just not an athlete. It, it, it kind of goes into the negative. You're, you're not only not an athlete or a shooter, but now you're, you know, a slug. So uh, we, we are defined by what we do. Now we're going to talk about the upcoming games. There's there's something interesting about this games, other than it's going to be in a nuclear uh, waste facility, is what kind of goes with that is there's going to be ammunition that we're going to be using. There's going to be some training rounds for inside. Is there anything you... No, I don't want to say share about that because I don't want to like try to delve into you know top secret stuff before the games, but I do want to say how did that... Um, come to be that you chose that ammunition and or not just that ammunition but that aspect of it how did you come up with that yeah so it's it's short range training ammunition uh you know code name serta for srta um and we used it quite a quite a bit in the military um and what it does for a, a unit or an individual is uh it's a real bullet it uh, it's not a man marking round. You'll you'll kill somebody with it if you shoot them, right? I mean, it's it's a bullet, and uh, but it's a plastic tipped bullet, and incidentally, it has a little wire inside of it so that if you do shoot somebody, they can actually X-ray and find it, um, which is thoughtful of the manufacturer. Nice. <laughs> so <laughs> very generous. Um, so what what that ammo allows you to do is to run your gun just as you normally would. It, it, it acts the same. It's the same, you know, um, uh, it's loud. It's, 
it functions and cycles exactly the same. Um, you do change out the bolt to use this ammunition, but it's not because the bolt um, is lighter or changes the caliber of the round or anything like with simunitions, for example, a man marking round. Um, it, it works the same, but it becomes a, a rim fire um, kind of a striker instead of center fire so that you can't accidentally uh, use it in your gun um, when you don't want to, right? You have to deliberately change that bolt and, um, and you can't put live ammo in accidentally during a training run, right? <clears throat> yeah, so... So it allows you to run your weapon as you normally would. Um, it allows you to shoot inside of buildings without bullets, you know, over penetrating through multiple rooms and striking your buddy in the back, you know, four rooms away. Um, and it allows you to uh, use basically as a target trap or a bullet trap um, plywood backers. And so they're super light. You're not moving 500 pound steel traps around. Uh, you literally just have a three-quarter inch piece of plywood with a target on the front of it. And you can move them quickly, stack them quickly, get them in and out of a building, reconfigure the building for a new design and new scenario uh, very, very quickly. And, uh, and, I'll, and obviously work inside in a relatively safe, safe manner. Again, it's a real bullet. If you shoot your buddy in the leg, he's going to go down and he's going to be cussing at you. If you shoot him in the chest, um, you know, maybe it would penetrate your sternum. Maybe not. Uh, I haven't tried it. Uh, don't want to, <laughs> but, um, but, but what it does is, is this Nate, um, when I was in special operations in the military, we used that, uh, Serta ammo, um, to do a, a thing we called a rut. A rut is R U T and it is, stands for realistic urban training. And we would actually go to cities in the United States um, and operate in those cities under, under you know, the permission of those cities and the awareness of law enforcement and the, the city councils and all those things. Um, <clears throat> and we would actually do uh, simulated live missions in society out there. And, and you've seen videos of them on YouTube. All oh, the black helicopters are landing in Los Angeles and they're going to take everybody away and put them in internment camps. And oh, bull crap. That's, that's special operations guys doing training. Um, and, you know, one trip that I, I got to do uh, was in Jacksonville, Florida uh, in the mid 90s. And for about 30 days, we, we hit multiple, multiple targets and old bank buildings in downtown. There was an old book repository. There was warehouses that, that were slotted for destruction and had belonged to the, the school system. And, um, and we, we got to just roll in, uh, you know, do vehicle assaults, do helicopter assaults. There was no juvenile detention center uh, just off the water uh, in downtown uh, Jacksonville. Uh, we hit that with black hawks and little birds. And, and, uh, but the beauty is once you entered the building, you could, it was like live fire. It was a live mission because we we're using these CERTA rounds and, um, it diminished the danger, uh, to, to everybody involved because again, you didn't have ricochets and it just enhanced the training experience to the uttermost. So, I mean, it was like you were really there really doing it. 
and I just wanted to bring that to our athletes and say, hey, man, this is as real as it gets without shooting at one another. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so that's what they're going to be doing. Cool aspect, like you said, because as soon as you go into those buildings, now it's live and reels. It, uh, it adds a bit of intensity that you don't normally get. And you also get uh, easy cleanup. Let's be honest. When you're in the military, the worst thing about any exercise is always the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Policing up brass. We'll just go ahead and say it. If you could make a magnet that would pick up brass, you'd be a millionaire exactly. tomorrow. <laughs> it's so true. How many times did you hear that at 1130 at night with your headlamp on picking up brass? Oh, my God. Now that I've gone off on that little tangent, the right, right. partnership with this uh, this ammo, is this something that normal organizations can get their hands on? Or is this a specific partnership just for the games and for what you're doing? Um, <clears throat> I think um, most agencies can actually purchase it. Um, and, it, you know, if you're a private entity, a private shooting range, you can get your uh, you can get an account with them. Um, but you got to kind of prove who you are and what you're going to do with it. Um, you, you know, just uh, your normal Joe blow down, down the road, isn't going to be allowed to purchase it. So, um, you got to, if you can demonstrate and articulate the reason to have it, um, you know, we're training law enforcement, we're training, you know, the militia, we're training military, we're, you know, training some unknown agency somewhere. Um, they'll sell it to you. Um, you know, it's a little bit expensive to to uh, outfit your guns the first time because you okay. are buying the bolts and uh, and the ammo is not cheap. I mean, even though it's a plastic bullet, it's more expensive than than regular ammunition. So, um, you know, just just you know, this this as a businessman now, um, you, okay. you count pennies. And I'll tell you this: I I uh, for the South Carolina event. I spent $7,500 out of my own, you know, the, you know, the tactical games out of the tactical games coffers to buy this ammo so that these athletes would have this experience. And, wow. you know, I don't have to do that. I don't, you know, I could just say, Hey, bring all your own ammo. We're going to do it just like every other event. And, uh, but I just, I really think this is going to be a huge event. I think it's going to be super fulfilling for those athletes that get to do it that maybe never got to be in the military. And, and for those that were in the military, it's going to be a, a you know, a, a great refresher, a, you know, make them feel like they're back in the assault force, back on their guns and, and getting busy. So um, I'm thrilled about it. Um, I, I did tweak my back uh, working out recently. So I'm up in the air about competing in South Carolina myself. Um, I'd like to, I just want to make sure I don't, I don't get more damage doing so. Um, but uh, again, I've said a number of times I created the tactical games because it's something I would like to do. And this event in South Carolina at the Government Training Institute is exactly the event that I would do if, uh, you know, if I had my druthers. So um, created for warriors, created by warriors. And uh, it's going to be an absolutely off forging warriors. Yeah, forging warriors. As well. Yeah, let that let's let's do that as a little soundbite there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> created by warriors for warriors, forging warriors. No, I missed what you said. Do it again. Created by warriors 
let's just we're, we're, hey, we're developing this as we go. Created by warriors to forge warriors by warriors. <laughs> no, no, I'll go back four, and play with four it. Warriors. Four warriors. Yes. There you go. Four warriors. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's how this crap happens. It's it's not in the big think tanks and the mastermind meetings. It happens talking with Nate. <laughs> <laughs> and and as you've just witnessed the birth of something there <laughs> a new slogan it'll be on a t-shirt yeah, exactly oh man that's awesome tim that is that is because that is the essence of the games and when we talk about um battles and, and the real world and, and developing skill sets things just happen through necessity and development and, and repetitiveness so that is kind of a little peek behind the curtain of uh, of your mind, I think. As scary <laughs> as that may be, so yeah. uh, I totally lost my train of thought on where I was going with. Oh yes, back to the ammo. Well, I'll just say this: that the, the only people that I've ever been around that ended up in a psych ward were the psychiatrist trying to figure me out. <laughs> <laughs> right, just because they don't understand the voices in my head, so. Yeah. Now, uh, just because they didn't speak that language doesn't mean I'm crazy. Yeah, they didn't understand the dialect. Come on now. So, what, what I've been seeing on the social media because of this facility that we are going to in South Carolina, there's a bit more buzz because, like you said, this facility is that I want to use the word quintessential kind of picture of people in people's minds of what tactical urban warriors are like. When we look at the loadouts, and when I say loadouts, I mean the, the way people are dressed in Atlanta, to what we're going to see in this facility, do you think some people are going to be addressing their loadouts and, and personal style? Like, because in Atlanta, I was at one point, I was down to a tank top and a plate carrier, and I would have gone in, a, in, in silkies if I had them, I think, because of the heat and everything. Right. Yeah, uh, Atlanta was really hot, really humid. And I, I think, I mean, South Carolina, GTI is is directly east of it. Um, so there's not a lot of um, longitudinal change, meaning that it, it'll be the same kind of weather. Uh, it is going to be mid-August. So that, this event's also going to be very hot and humid. Um, the difference will be um, the terrain. Right. Yeah. We, we base everything on MET-T, mission, equipment, time, troops, and terrain. Um, and that determines how you, how you do things, right? So if I'm an athlete out there and I'm trying to determine what I'm going to wear to compete in South Carolina, um, those are the things that I'm going to consider. What's my mission? Um, what equipment do I need to take? How much time am I going to be in that gear? What's the terrain? Um, so all I'm going to say is lots of concrete, lots of steel pipes, small passageways. Uh, I'm probably looking at wearing pants with knee pads, um, probably a short sleeve shirt or tank top with elbow pads. And honestly, I would wear a helmet in there. Um, we're trying to provide some uh, helmets. Um, that we're getting on loan from Fort Benning for those that, that care to wear a helmet. Um, could you run through there without one? Yeah, sure. 
Um, the likelihood of you not seeing a pipe and meeting it personally, uh, very high. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, it, I mean, you can just look at some of the pictures on Instagram and, and or Facebook and you can see that it's just uh, it's an industrial complex. It was made to process nuclear materials and, um, you know, that, that's what we're going to run through. It's a rat maze of pipes and concrete. And uh, although gonna, it's going to be a blast, you know, there's always an inherent risk. So I dressed appropriately. Yeah. So that, and that's, that's where I wanted to go with it. So the helmets, they don't have to be ballistic rated. They just have to be something to cover your head. Well, not have to be, but ideally, if you're wearing a helmet, something to protect your noggin from that, uh, you know, pipe on forehead or back head or side head or just a lot of head, head going right. on there. Well, we, we don't want a repeat of JP in Meridian where he gets up into that attic space and he turns and he goes to the athletes, watch out for the, the beams. And then he turns around and runs right into it. <laughs> it, it laid him out and uh, he, he came down and made a joke. I mean, he says it more than I do, but um, his, he was, uh, his head was crushed in a, a rollover accident and I was the medic that treated him. And so he came down with blood running down his face and he goes, this is getting to be a habit with you seeing my head all bloody. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. He, he, he got it. He got it right between the oh, eyes, man. Geez. And what, what a, so we just want to avoid. Oh, that. absolutely. Cause that will take away from the experience of the athletes and uh, you know, nobody really needs to get hurt. Um, it does give us laughing material. It does. <laughs> so as long as it's caught on camera, then it's, that's totally worth it. <laughs> Um, the other thing that, uh, is mentioned is it's going to be inside. So it's going to be low light areas, correct? Yeah. So, um, there are lights and electricity in the building. Um, they're very limited. Obviously the building, uh, isn't operational. So, you know, they're not trying to make it a, a super user friendly work environment. Um, but having said that, if you have, you know, this is going to kind of give you scope of the building. If you have a hundred yards of hallway, um, you know, fifty foot ceilings, um, and there's three lights in that in the entire place, that kind of gives you the idea that, that you might want a headlamp and or a light on your gun. Um, you know, if if buying a light for your gun is a barrier. To, to being there or barrier to entry, as we say, um, you can get by with literally go get a little surefire light or a, a wannabe surefire light at your local uh, auto parts store, a little plastic one. You can get them for about eight bucks. And the early days, taped what them. did we do? Yeah. We taped mag lights around the hangars. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the eighties and even into the early nineties, that's what we did. We electrical taped them to, to our barrels. Um, and, uh, you know, if you can't do that, then even just, a you know, a 10 to $12 headlamp from Walmart or, or some equivalent store, uh, is going to probably be the hot ticket for you. Do what you can with what you've got available. You know, when the apocalypse happens, you're, you're not going to be able to be picky. So just grab whatever's around you and make it work. Yeah, that's right. Of course, you could you could spend a few bucks and prepare for the apocalypse and buy a light. <laughs> you can, I guess, if you're into that. Now, when we talk 
I want to delve a little bit further into this, not, not site specific, but just about indoor uh, and built up areas. You mentioned long hallways, things like that. What about spatial awareness? This is a conversation I want to have because I feel that when it comes to you developing indoor battles, that there's going to be some Kim's game kind of thing going on. You're familiar with Kim's games, correct? Oh, yes. Okay. I love it. You want to explain those to our listeners? Yeah, so the legend goes, and I, I don't know if, how much it's true and how much it's morphed over the years, but in India, um, you know, 100, 150 years ago when Great Britain was um, still occupying uh, India, yeah, um, there was a guy that was training children, you know, young, young kids to be kind of spies. And so he would take the equivalent of a shoebox and put an item in the shoebox and have the kid or kids sit there and he would pull the lid off for five or 10 seconds and then close the lid and have them write down what they saw. And then he'd add a second item and a third and a fourth and a fifth until you get to, you know, 13, 14, 15 items and you're still only pulling the lid off for 10, maybe 10 to 12 seconds. And then they have to list everything in detail on a piece of paper that, uh, that they saw in there. And what that does is it forces you to be observant, aware, and, you know, remember the things that you see. It, it, it's sort of pushing the envelope of developing a photographic memory. So translate that to urban warfare. Uh, you know, urban warfare is 360 degrees security with the added dimension of height. Um, so, you know, they can come at you from any direction uh, in, in the real world. So... Uh, we push our uh, envelope of awareness, and in order to reinforce that, again, the purpose of the tactical games is to test, train, and highlight the amazing capabilities of tactical athletes. So part of that is testing and training. So there could be a very macro version of the Kim's game uh, appearing in South Carolina. In other words, as they're running through the building, um, as complex and detailed as that building is, there may be some items that are just different enough to stand out enough that if they're aware, they're going to see them and uh, they might be tested on remembering those items. Outstanding. I'm I ran a course, I was doing some force on force stuff uh last last year for a group and one of their missions was they had to go in clear the room find the laptop it was a kind of like an sse uh situation clear the rooms yep. find the laptop and get out of there now those that don't know what sse is it's uh, sensitive site exploitation so their mission was the laptop they got in there they started sweeping through enemy force popped up they engaged took out the enemy force but they got so sucked into the battle that they were literally standing eye level right beside the laptop with the screen open, looking right at it, and they could not see it. Wow. And then when we pulled them out and ran the scenario again, and I was like, okay, do not get sucked into it. Just breathe. Be aware of what's around you and remember to breathe. They, they found it right away and were like, did you move it there? And I was like, no, it's been there the whole time. And they were kicking themselves. So that's the, that's the joys of Kim's game. So – with, yeah, yeah. with my little scenario, 
I have higher expectations for what you're going to do. <laughs> right, right. Well, here's a, I, I was actually at um, our county sheriff's training range yesterday morning listening to uh, – I was invited out there by the lieutenant to audit his um, basic level CQB okay. course. They call, they call it an entry course. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of basic and rudimentary, but, you know, hey, I think those officers need that. Um, I think all police should get yes, that training, absolutely. you know, but, um, you know, like everything else, it's, uh, you know, it's just uh, timing, scheduling and funding uh, that prohibits our, our law officers from getting the training they need in many cases. Um, but uh, he, he was teaching through a particular portion of the, the course. And the reason I was there was to audit and give feedback, right? So I wasn't being arrogant and going, oh, I know more than you. Um, just when we had a five-minute break, um, something that he had struggled to articulate in his class, I had the privilege of learning from uh, one of our sponsors uh, back in the day, uh, Dr. Morgan Banks, uh, a psychiatrist um, or psych a psychologist, one of the two, uh, for the military and was very, very uh, – uh, deeply rooted in the process of developing our selection okay. courses. So what kind of men are we looking for? How do we test that? What does it look like? Um, and uh, just a, just a super smart human being, uh, the psychological special psychological applications group or spa is actually a, a you know, partner contributor to the tactical games. Um, and he's helped me develop some of the things that we're using. So uh, I said all that to say, um, during one of the courses that I attended, I was taught this four box quadrant kind of thing. And if you if you draw a box and then divide it into four parts, um, you have broad and narrow. And then in the other two boxes, you have internal and external. And what that that is, it's broad and narrow, internal and external focus. So think about your brain. And right now, I'm very externally focused uh, on the microphone and talking with Nate. I haven't taken a step back inside myself for you know the last 25, 30 minutes in thinking, oh, Tim, you're doing a great job. And man, I'm so proud <laughs> of me. And how do I feel about this? You know, whatever. So, um, you know, that's an internal focus is when you're, you're focused on how I feel about it. Um, you know, how am I doing? Am I succeeding? Those are all the internal focus things. And for CQB, you got to just roll that up, throw it over your shoulder into the toilet and pull the handle because you can't be on an emotional roller coaster. So we're going to we're going to talk about external focus. Now you have external focus, broad and narrow. And the way that works is. As I enter a structure, or let's let's talk about a single room, as I cross the threshold into that room, my awareness is very wide, very broad external. So I'm trying to take everything in, even in my peripheral vision. And as I step across the threshold, I'm snapshotting a mental image of that room. Because I have to turn left or right now as the number one man to go to my point of domination. So I'm like, literally, if you blink with your eyes and take that snapshot, 
now my brain is focusing or functioning on what did I just see? Because I turn left, let's say I clear my corner. Now I'm spinning around clearing my sector of fire and I'm going to engage whatever's in my sector of fire. Well, because I took that snapshot, I already know if there's something in my sector of fire, right? Um, so that's a broad external focus. Now, when I scan my sector of fire in under this circumstance or um, example, I do have a target. It is a threat target. I go from mentally a very broad external focus to a very narrow laser beam, narrow focus on my target so that I can perform a very, very uh, finite, um, small motor movement act, which is pulling the trigger, aiming my sights, bringing my sights in alignment with this target, doing something that's, uh, you know, Dr. Grossman says is very unnatural for most human beings. There's only one or two percent that um that that can kill and do so comfortably <laughs> and most of them most of them are yes. in prison right um so you know you're you're overcoming those internal feelings if you haven't trained out of them and you're aligning your sights you're applying all the eight fundamentals and squeezing the trigger all this is going on in in a moment right so i i've i've gone from a very broad external focus and it goes whoosh, down to this very small cone of focus. I'm looking right at this dude's vitals and now I'm puncturing holes in them with bullets. Boom, 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 boom. Now, if you're not trained well, a guy will stay right there and yes. we call it tunnel vision. Hey, dude, get back in the fight. What are you doing? Well, he got stuck in that narrow external focus, right? A guy that's really well trained in CQB, a guy that has talent in CQB and is good at it will toggle back and forth between a broad and a narrow external focus based on the threat level. So enter a room, broad focus. I get a target, narrow focus, boom, 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 boom. Assess, did it work? Yep, he's dead. Push it right back out. Continue searching for an, another target. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So in South Carolina, I'll probably give that little bitty brief uh, to the athletes as we, uh, you know, do our briefing and get them spun up on, on the battles um, because part of the tactical games is definitely a training element. Excellent. And you pass that on to the sheriff's department while you were there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the feedback was, you know, and, and it's so tempting to just go, yep, I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I made this. But, uh, <laughs> The, the feedback was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you just put into words what I've struggled to to try to explain for, you know, 10 years of teaching this. And uh, and, I you know, of course, I said, yep, thought it all up myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, of course, give credit to where credit's due and just said, hey, I had the privilege of learning that. And, um, you know, of course, gave them permission to teach that and everything they do to help help our officers and and first responders be better. And on that note, Tim, I think you should uh, take us out and uh, end this episode. Well, thanks for joining us on the Tactical Games Podcast. This is Tim Burke. 